Welcome back to season two of the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced running physiotherapist, coach, and marathoner. This season will involve open discussions with my running colleagues about the key principles behind injury-free running and optimal performance. It'll be backed by personal experience, science, and history. I can only hope some of these chats inspire curiosity and expand or confirm perspectives and beliefs amongst the running community. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Episode of the Run Culture Podcast. Today I'm wrapped to be chatting to one of the guys I coach, Pete Dutton. Welcome back to the show, Pete. Yeah, it's good to be back again for another episode. Pete, um, it's been a while since we've caught up um, on the podcast. Obviously, we catch up every week at training, but um, can you uh, bring listeners up to date with how uh, this year's gone uh, since we last chatted? Yeah, so last time we spoke was. It would have been the week before Gold Coast. So, um, yeah, we recorded the episode talking about the six months before that. And so, yeah, we... So, obviously, I went to the Gold Coast and ran relatively well. Ran 32.20. And, um, I mean, I can't be unhappy with that. It was a road PB. So, it was definitely a good start to the, the season after... I only been back probably what, three or four months back training with the group. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, I I thought um, yeah, you you start you were coming along quite quickly, um, yeah, I, and and off a different training setup too, like definitely less volume. Mondays and Fridays were um, pretty much just drills and exercises, and um, yeah, I, I was really pleased with um how you sort of progressed um. But you still were quite down here and there. Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. It still was an up and down kind of roller coaster. There was good yeah. races, and then there was some ones that were pretty, pretty terrible by my own standards and expectations. But I mean, that was going into the season. We knew that was going to be the reality. It was going to be a roller coaster, and we just had to ride the wave and hope by the end of it that we were going to come out on the good side of it. Yeah, I mean, you had like a good four months um, off running completely with your sacral stress fracture. Um, and uh, it was your second stress fracture in, in a space of 10 months, roughly. So we ended up deciding to try something a bit different and lower volume. So it's always going to take a little bit longer to find your form. Um, or like I felt like, I felt like you, you got to pretty good shape, but I guess at 25 you know, just doing PBs or just scraping PBs, you, you're probably looking to try to, you want to, you're always wanting to get to the next level or the next step, I guess. So um, I guess like it's that common place that a lot of runners get into where we just get, you just get impatient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that was a big part of it. It was, we got back to where I was before I got injured. Quite quickly. But then... 
Because yeah. I know we spoke about, uh, we'll go in the season, no expectations. So that was okay when I was chasing, trying to get back to where I was. And then it's like, we got to there, it's like, oh, I'm there, Let's we got to take that next step now. And then it's like, all of a sudden the m- mindset shift is like, all right, we're back. Let's try and run faster again. Let's aim for those PVs. And then all the expectations come back, like fighting back like they used to. And then there's just... <laughs> amount of pressure again yeah that's well said i think um yeah it's um it's that tricky balance isn't it like not letting that expectation weigh you down and and then get in your head and and then um and and that focus on on the time and the outcomes like just totally rule how you how you train and how you feel about your training um whereas it's sometimes a bit easier when that's not a factor and you're just going about just ticking boxes and, and training and focusing on just what you have to do now um, and um, on the specific day that you're training. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Yeah, so then tell us about um, the Albert Park 10K because um, I remember quite vividly um, you've been very, very down after that race and, um, and then we um, scheduled a, a good catch-up um, that week um, to just sort of have a good chat and talk about things yeah so this is probably it would have been probably four weeks after gold coast from memory so i thought another four weeks of training i should be let's just aim for a pb so i kind of went in i probably needed more time to be honest i needed more training on my belt and i thought well i'm in pb shape let's try and run like 31 50 or bust kind of and i just didn't race smart i I think it, it still stemmed from, like, obviously 18 months of not running and being injured. I think confidence is just still not there. And I think that, I think I was more reactive then instead of racing smarter. It's just like, well, I don't back myself of how I want to run. So I was just, I think I was in my own head and it just kind of... It was an emotional I, run. Yeah. Like, you went out, like, that first K didn't make much sense for like where you were at like i think the first k was three minutes flat or or thereabouts i mean i went through 3k in i think 9 16 which Mm. it's like i'd say like 30 50 pages yeah it's just stupid yeah it didn't make any sense with like when you when you take a step back rationally and and you sort of go okay well you've just come off an injury you're only finding your feet now you ran 32 20 at gold coast it's only been four weeks since then um, I guess it's easy to do, and that's why we're talking about it because a lot of runners do the same thing. Yeah, I just I just wasn't patient. I was just emotionally. I don't know if I was tired because of that. Like we've been racing for like a few months at that point, trying to back up week after week, and I think that coupled with work and everything, just everything just weighed on top of me. And then you you put expectations on top of that and pressure, and it's just. It becomes too much trying to rationally think of a logical approach to how you should race. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there are times where you do, you know, go for... You just throw it at the wall and see if it sticks, but it probably wasn't the time, you know. Like, when you're coming back from an injury and you're low on confidence or you're not sure where you're at and and you're a little bit underdone and you're just finding your feet, it was the time to just run a you know, a safe, safe pace. And, and then once you know that you're going well then, and you've 
you've got a few good results on the board, then you can have one where you do that. But um, yeah, I, I guess that's um, another great learning experience. Um, uh, we caught up after that that run, and I was just um, wanted to get you a bit more positive because you look so down. Um, what were some of the things that you can remember from that chat? Um, and uh, what do you think really turned your year around? Because you, you, you earmarked that run as probably a turning point for the year so far. Yeah, so that was definitely a turning point for sure. I think we just needed that chat just to take a step back and take the emotion off the table and just kind of rationally think about it. And we thought three sessions a week is just not working right now. I need to be in a place where I'm okay with doing three sessions by myself and doing it properly. Because before that, it was like we'd have one good session, one okay session, and then one sort of half-ass, not mentally present kind of session, and it just wasn't working. So we, we dropped the Thursday session, so I was only doing two sessions a week, and it was kind of an open just you want to jog on a Thursday, you want to jump in for reps kind of deal, then like it was completely up to me. So I think having the control of if I'm not feeling it, we're just not doing it. I think that was that was a big starting point. You probably have to mention that third session is often you got to training late yeah. um, and because of work. Um, and so everyone had pretty much finished the workout and you're just arriving. So straight away, like, you know, that's not the best feeling, is it? Um, where you're feeling like, oh, I have to train by myself. These guys are all done. They're all happy because they've finished the workout. I've still got to do it and it's getting late. Um, so it was good to have that flexibility of like, just do what you can that day. Like have a bit of fluidity about your training. And I think it took the pressure off. Yeah, it definitely yeah. did. Because uh, when you're already mentally down after like a 10 hour day at work, it makes it hard to, all right, we're going to be doing this in the dark. All the guys getting in the car, they've already cooled down. And it's like there's, there was a bit of a disconnect from, it's like, I was at that point, I was sort of still trying to get back into the main group and try and keep up and training them. It's like missing out on that session was like, well, it's just, it just wasn't working. Yeah, and I feel like also it was getting in your head, you're like, oh, I can't can't do this like um well what am i doing here like um how am i ever going to sort of you know if i can't fulfill the training plan as it's specified then you know i'm just not getting anywhere so whereas if in the plan it actually says that this is a run that's just a bonus kind of session and if you're feeling good then great but if you're feeling like you need to just jog it in or do an easier session then there's, there's a bit of more um freedom about it i think that was even just the feeling of that, like, and even just knowing that, is it, it took a bit of the weight off the shoulders. And um, and then I remember we also did just try to, um, I think you were lacking, you felt like you lacked a bit of routine as well. And we changed your Mondays and Fridays a little bit at that point too. Yeah, because at that point I was sort of, I was cycling less because I just didn't have a bike and I just wasn't, wasn't motivated enough to go out and buy a bike at that point. So, yeah, it was like we weren't running or really doing – we were doing a bit of gym and drills still, but, like, there was no there was no other, like, work being done on Monday to Friday. Yeah. So it just felt like, well, I'm not, not doing anything Monday and Friday. And then 
I'm not getting there Thursdays. I was like, half my week's kind of just thrown into chaos. And yep. Uh, I mean, that was a big, big part of how why things weren't really going well. Yeah, yeah, and um, as soon as we introduced like some easy sort of thirty minute or so, like or like fifteen minute easy warm up and warm down on a Monday and a Friday before some drills. Um, at least you knew you were running yeah. on those days. And then it, I think it created, it was very light and I feel like it's still un, under reaching and it's not going to get you injured from a bony point of view. And you're showing a bit of resilience anyway at this point. But it, I do think it gave you that element of um, control and, and routine that you needed that you didn't quite have. Like you said, it felt a bit chaotic. Yeah, and yeah. it definitely, just doing like 10 minutes on a Monday, so I just do a couple of K and then do some drills. It just meant week to week things were kind of moving forward and connecting better instead of just day off here and day off there. And so, yeah, there was definitely a lot more flow by just... Because 10 minutes in, like, in, at this point, I'm not going to get fit or get any aerobic gains off 2K at, like, 5.30 pace. But it was just enough to get me moving and just feel good for that kind of day yeah 100 percent. and then it's just a nice flow-on effect then you go into tuesday and then it just the week takes care of itself from there i think it was like this really good middle ground between what i wanted and what you wanted like i was listening to you and like you needed routine because you're that kind of guy like you're that kind of person people are just like that they need that sense of control feel like they're going somewhere um other other guys in the squad can just ride a bike on those days and they feel fine with it and they're going well with it. But it's, it, you got to like um, listen to the athlete in front of you and that's what I've started to really learn over the last three years because like, that's where as soon as we did that, it's not, it was funny because it was more a mental shift, wasn't it? It was more suddenly you're getting to training and, and you're a bit more positive or you're a bit more present and you're starting to back yourself in races. So... Straight after that, you ran a really good Ballarat race, literally the week after Albert Park. Yeah, which was surprising. It was like polar opposites. And I ended up running, like my 10K split at Ballarat was quicker than Albert Park. Yeah. Just because of a complete mind shift. Like, mind shift is like, all right, we can relax and just run smart. And I think I took all the pressure off as well. I, like, took the pressure away from work. I just stopped. I got back to where it was at the start of the year where it was like running and work are just going to be separate and we're going to turn up and we're going to run well and that's all we're thinking about. We're not thinking about anything else and it just made it, it just simplified it. Just A simple mental approach made the difference. Would you say you're a notorious overthinker? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so I think that's where, I think that's what we sort of, really realized um and i realized better at that point and i think that's why our spin on things started to to um work a little bit better um from there and um yeah you had a great one at ballarat and then your half was really good too yeah the, the half was uh the half was a good day i had a our teammate jess dunsmore setting the pace which yeah just it made it so easy the whole mindset for that race was just sit in and just, I don't know, just enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy doing the half again. Enjoy the suffering that the half brings. Yeah, and, um, yeah, you ran really well and um, 
Uh, 71 low? Yeah, PV. Yeah. PV. It's kind of funny now. My PV is 111.11, so it's just all ones across the board, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of funny. Easy to remember, and that was at the AV Burnley Half Marathon in September. And, yeah, I mean, it was so cool to see because, like, you did that off um, the training load that you're currently on. Um, you know, two, three years ago, Pete, if you were to think that you could run a, a half marathon PB off um, off the current training load that you're doing, would you think you could? Probably not, but yeah. I mean, the, my old way of training for a half wasn't exactly sensible. <laughs> Explain that. So, uh, yeah. well, I was probably doing closer to 130k a week. The workouts <laughs> were pretty substantial in <laughs> length and volume. Yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, I got through it, but I probably could have run better off less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nah, good. And then um, that brings us closer to track season, doesn't it? Um, was there anything else you wanted to add there, or um, uh, or should we sort of roll on into track season? I mean, yeah. we should probably spend a little bit of time talking about all the the little things that we kind of identified. Yeah. Just through different just catch-ups and because i mean before the season started the whole the whole focus was let's try and let's try and become a better mover before we become a better runner and i kind of at the start i was kind of hesitant on that i was like oh it's a good idea but i don't know how it's gonna play out we were doing some like just kind of weird movement patterns in the gym just trying to just unlock the the secret of what was kind of because we always identify there was a disconnect from the way I run my upper body and my lower body just never seemed to sync together. And we were always trying to work it out why that was the case. Yeah, that's good. Like, um, and if you were fly on the wall in this physio room with me and Pete, like you'd often see Pete oh, rolling his eyes or like, what are you getting me to do now? Um, and he always thinks he's the guinea pig. <laughs> But it's kind of like, that's actually the way I practice. Like, it, you literally, like, just try heaps of stuff. You get curious about movement and you try to find stuff that the person struggles with. And once you've found something that they struggle with, you're like, well, you should be able to do that as a human. <laughs> like, it's a basic, you know, capacity of a human to be able to, like, move that or to breathe through there or to be able to um, be strong enough to do that motion um, or to coordinate that aspect of your body. Um, so we pretty much just try heaps of different things, um, go down quite a few rabbit holes. Um, but there is, um, and there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, well, that was that was meaningless or that was pointless. Like, But then it's also like leads us to the next rabbit hole because we're like, okay, well, that looks okay or or that didn't work, um, oh, but suddenly Pete was like, oh, that's hard, or oh, I can't do that, or that actually feels good. And so I'm listening to you, you're telling me if something felt good, and then as soon as I hear you say that, then that that helps us know that we're on the right track. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. two of the, the major things that we found is like we trying to retrain my brain to work in sync between my arms and legs. That was definitely one of the big ones that we yep. found started to work and slowly like improve improve my coordination and everything a bit better. And what I found was um, the best part about this was 
I instilled a curiosity in you and you started looking into it too. T- talk us about that. Yeah, so it was weird. Because I, I was still slightly overstriding and things just weren't, they weren't feeling smooth. Like the arm, my arm swing for the way my legs would drive through just didn't feel connected still. I remember seeing a video and it was, it was like, have you ever considered that, like, because we always thought my lower body's tight and that causes my upper body to be rigid. But I, I saw a video and it pretty much in short terms explained maybe your upper body's tight and that's causing less rotation through your hips and then you overstrike. I thought maybe that's, maybe that's something. Maybe that's something to bring up. And I brought it up and we kind of played around with like loosening my upper body up first. And it, it was weird. It actually, it worked. It was, yeah, even in the rooms, like literally your balance was way better. Like after we worked on some breathing and just really like getting your rib cage to just relax and, and all the muscles, the tone to go out of your thoracic spine and, and you to just move it in different ways that you hadn't been doing enough of. Because um, a lot, a lot to not to be stereotypical, but a lot of um, males at your age don't stretch. They just do gym, yeah. um, and they just do strength, and they don't. Um, not everyone, but a lot of them don't value um, that have a functional body. You need strength, but you also need to be able to move it. <laughs> and um, so that was great coming from you. And then we worked on that, and you you um, just looked like you were moving more cohesively together. With more flow and more, more, um, just um, everything was just—it's funny. It was—it was a really—it was really enlightening for me actually, um, as well, um, to see something like that. Um, we still got a long way to go with your technique, and um, like, like we said before, we jumped on the podcast. We're always, always learning, all of us, um, and we're always trying to improve. Um, like even that track session last night, like, um, you know, there was bits where, I'm like, yeah, you're gonna keep improving, but. I think uh, we're on the right course and you value it now. Like you know that that's part of being a better runner just as much as like doing the 130Ks a week um, that you were doing and training hard aerobically. Um, so you're valuing um, uh, two different lenses to, to, to performance. Yeah, and it's like something you said, you've said before, it's like you know I can do the work and you know I have like the grit the grit to get through it yeah but it's like, one of your strengths is that like you just a fighter yeah but it's like if we can unlock this movement pattern and get mm. me moving better then you put those two together and it's a it's a combination of something well you got long legs pete like so you could, like once you're really fully utilizing their full capacity um and putting them in good positions and got good awareness and feel for that um geez like surely some time is going to keep coming off and, and i'm i'm starting yeah. like block after block of training i'm starting to see that more and more yeah as like the sessions we've done the last couple of weeks it's like far out i haven't felt that good moving at that pace like ever yeah like, yeah it feels it feels easier than it ever used to and that's pretty cool. Like you've been two years without a track season, so you haven't been doing much speed. Um, so it's, but in the meantime, you have had a year where we've sort of really tried to talk about this technical side. Um, so it's good that you're feeling that. Um, quite recently, you did the Vic Milers three k, and there was a video footage of 
you and Bevan on the back straight. Um, Bevan had an absolute blinder. You were wrapped like you, you know, got pretty much a near on equal official PB. Um, but your form did look like a bit scrappy on the back straight. Um, that video footage was great because you you didn't like um, you you took it as a positive and you you started to um, work on um, uh, your 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 knee control um, and like single leg stance and trying to get a bit more solid through your hips. Yeah, and you showed me the footage and I looked at it previous before that and you said we'll try we'll try a few different things. It just goes back to that you you see something you're like all right let's try few different things and we'll see yeah which works and which doesn't yeah you just play around with it and yeah you gave me some exercise and i kind of again did my own sort of research into it and yeah found some things and played around in the gym and i mean even that like the weeks were like between vic miles club and the next race were just completely different yeah like the way i was running was even better than it was the weeks before just technique wise just yeah. because of one one little 15 second quip and it's like oh, yeah let's try and fix that or improve that and yeah it's so good to watch video footage of yourself like a lot of people don't like watching themselves um uh but like there is a lot to be taken from it because you never get to see how you move and and often how you visualize how you move is quite different to how you actually move and um so it was great for you to see and and but you took it really positively and you, you were like okay what can we do here and you know the process continues so yeah really good um anything else anything else um what other little things um have you sort of learned from this this year um do you think i mean to be to be more relaxed as well i think that's i've kind of like through all those bad like mindset kind of things i was going through i've just kind of now it's more of a case of just turn up some days are going to be good days, some some are going to be bad days, and those days I don't really say much, I just put my head down, just get the work done. Yeah. And that was the kind of, sort of a mantra I was going by for a bit, it's just like, it doesn't matter what's going on, like, let's get the work done now. No, it's, it's good. Um, I've noticed that actually, I noticed that um, uh, last Tuesday, another, another session where you weren't able to get there um, on time because of work and it was at Baxter Park and you, you're a bit like um, down in the, we were doing our warm down, you were doing your warm up and, but then you turned it around um, by yourself um, and you you just, um, yeah, you, you did it in your own way. Um, and just knowing that like, there's gonna be good and bad days all the time in running, it's, it's um, oh, and in life, like it's, it's normal and normalizing that is really important um, and and trying to relax your way through it rather than fight it um, and accepting, accepting that that's just the way it is and it's just today and you wake up tomorrow and you know, it'll probably be a different kind of day. But if you keep just trying to put a little positive step forward or another brick in the wall each day and do what you can, making the most of it, um, you, you're gradually sort of nudging, nudging everything in your favor and gradually the chips sort of fall your way um if you can keep that kind of mindset even in those rough days so and you've done, you've been doing doing good with that i've noticed um um but we all have our days don't we yeah <laughs> i mean some days are definitely easier than others but we just i mean having a goal that i'm working towards 
and wanting to race again and like enjoying the racing again it kind of makes that in between of training a little easier yeah because it's like you don't you don't get to focus on the bad thing at all it's like all right like we're solely focused on running well here we just got to get the work done and yeah. the rest will take care of itself so let's talk about um the 3k um at vic myers club and then the the victorian um open 5k champs uh uh talk us through um those two races on your part yeah so vic myers club was it was an interesting one i it was weird i felt relaxed going into it i didn't really know what to expect i know it said to a few of the um rest of the guys who are in the group it's like i could run 850 or i could run 920 it doesn't really it doesn't change like good or bad it's only going to be a good race because i haven't raced a 3k i think at that point it'd been like 18 months since i raced a 3k i think february 2020 was the last 3k i did and so that's that's like ages that's I've no track races, so I'm like, I don't even, not even sure I know how to go around the track at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely, but, I mean, it was, like we spoke about it, we just needed a race before the main race, because I just needed to put laps together at a fast pace and just kind of go through the motion of a race again. 100%, it was literally just a rust buster, because the week after you had the 5K, and I think it really helped your 5K you did really well in that three. Like you raced it really well. I, I thought you were quite mature. You you um, got on the rail and um, even though the first K was like a little touch slow, I think the old you might have got into lane two and tried to like press a little bit um, or yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure like, or did you just feel like the pace was hot the whole way because it was your first time for a while i mean i've kind of shifted like these early races i've kind of been in the mindset it's like i just want to win yeah and that's not saying that like i think i'm better than everyone else i'm racing against that's more of a thing it's like i want the confidence to say i'm going to put myself in a position where i can run well and potentially win this race and it, that would all kind of mindset it's like we don't race for the watch anymore we're not looking for time time's irrelevant if i win the time's going to be quick anyway yeah so the two just kind of blend together yeah so i just sat myself on the rail and thought i'm just going to go with this pace it could be 255 through 1k or it could be 305 it doesn't change doesn't change positioning or like the pace is what the race wants it to be so and that's that's just how we went into it it's a great way to run. Um, it simplifies the race um, so much. You were in a seated race. You knew that you, if you were in the mix, the time was going to take care of itself. You were in a seated race, so you knew you were going to be like you know relatively competitive. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's a great tactic, and um, it just I think in this day and age we do get too objective with watch data and and too clinical and and it we lose that race feel and um, that ability to, okay, just check in and, and feel how am I actually feeling at this pace? Like it's gonna be hard, but am I actually doing all I can to make it more comfortable so that I can feature in the finish um, and, and time my effort, like time my effort for the whole 3K. 
um, rather than get um, too emotionally invested um, in what the watch is saying and then feel like I have to press because I'm behind. And then you're just losing so much cognitive energy. Like there's so much extra mental stress when you're worrying about that and the race. Um, Yeah, I think it was great tactic. And um, I think your advice around that time with one of the other runners in the squad, probably um, one of the stronger runners in the squad, Jess Dunsmore, um, you said something after his 3K and 5K. Uh, He ran really well, but both races... um, He's in this hard situation where he's trying to bridge the gap um, from being a high-level junior to like a high-level senior, and um, and he's still not quite made it. He's getting he's making good inroads, but he um, like he um, he's trying to prove himself in those B and C division races uh, where he's he's quite up the top. So he he's been running aggressive, which is great, but maybe too aggressive. And then you said like to me i think he's just got to time it better like he's got to improve his timing um and i think that's easy to conceptualize when you listen to like an 800 meter runner going out too hard in the first 400 and then dying um like the the big um piano falls on their back in the last hundred and they get all lactic um but it's harder to conceptualize in a 5k and um i think your advice with jess around that time after his two races where he ran well but we just knew after watching him in training, there was more there um, about racing it better and just sitting and not not feeling like he has to lead all the time. Yeah, and that's, that's something I'm trying to do more is try and be a, a leader to some of the other guys and try and elevate them as well. It's good. So, I mean, that was one thing I that I tried to do a lot when I was injured. Like, all I was doing was just watching races it might yep. have been their race, or it might have just been just races from like overseas that the elite guys are doing, and just trying to just trying to see tactically like what makes them good. So like they're all fast, they're all fit, but it always seemed to come down to the timing of how like how far out do they honestly believe they can push, and you never see them trying to take it off at the front and just with six laps to go. And I found, like, I love the confidence from Jess, but I reckon he was leaving time out there for sure. Just because the timing, timing wasn't quite, quite right. And he'd probably say the same, that tactically timing just wasn't 100%. To, to really elevate and try and run, like, 820 or, what, low 14s for 5K. Like, timing, timing was important. Yeah, I mean, and the proof was in the pudding last week where he sat in for the 5K at Collingwood um, Classic and he didn't take the lead once and ran a 14-second PB over 5K. So like he um, improved in two weeks, 14 seconds um, from 1447 uh, to 14.33. Um, and I, I want to kind of go over the whole group now, like an, a bit of an overview of the group because... Um, uh, I was just staggered with one the turnouts that we've had at training where we're getting a good eight to ten guys there most training um, nights but then also just the performances we've never had it before where so many of the group ran well at the same time like often you know you were injured last year Pete often people are sick Um, often you find half the squad are firing and half the squad are sort of um, you know injured or sick or or um, tired Um, 
But we just, for some reason, one reason or another, like timed it well this season for the 3K and the 5K. And um, we had uh, seven PBs in the 5K out of eight runners. And the person who didn't do a PB was me, which I don't care about because I'm the coach um, and I've run enough. Um, so like that was just like a, such a staggering and cool result. Um, like we're obviously doing something right. Um, I can't quite put a finger on it. I think it's just a, a heap of good things over time. Like it's been three years that we've run together, three plus years that we've run together as a group. And um, and the, the culture amongst everyone is really good at the moment. Like everyone's really knows each other quite well now. Um, and I'd put it just as much to the consistency of the group and the culture of the group at the moment. Um, and everyone sort of getting behind everyone um, and then, and then the training was just, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a typical training that most groups would do like leading into a track season, but I think it's such an advantage having a lot of numbers and, and everyone spurring each other on. And then in the three K the week before that, that five K, like we had just as good a day, like, um, uh, Bevan won his race. Um, Liam ran an astounding eight twenty nine. um, and then Ollie and Archie ran PBs, um, uh, and they really showed how good they could be. Um, they're very young, um, two new new guys in the squad. Um, and I thought, um, yeah, it's it's just great to see what uh, like, what do you put that down to from your your viewpoint, uh, Pete? Well, like you said, because we've been together for three plus years now. I think we all know each other. We're all close. We're all like best friends on and off the track. Yeah, and I think that that's always a good start. And I think because we've been around each other so long, we know what each other's capable of. And I think we're just feeding off that kind of energy. Yeah. It's like you see one of the other guys race well. It was like at the 5K champs. It's like seeing Bevan yeah. racing with Jess and Bevan break 15. It was yeah. Like, I said to him after the race, I'm like, great job. I like, yeah. That's all I needed. That's the energy I needed. Now I'm going to now yeah. I'm gonna sh- show you what I can do. And yeah. Having that culture where it's like, you want to run wild for yourself, but you're also there trying to elevate the next person and want them to run wild. Yeah. It's like, you want them to run faster than you, so you have something to chase and aim for. And it's like, that whole revolving of just feeding off each other's energy and want everyone to race the best. And I mean, how good is that? Like, that's not in any, like, um, uh coaches manual to really like it's it's um like a lot of people focus on the training that you do and yeah okay we do focus on that but at the same time like i think a huge part of the success that the groups had this season already in the track season is down to everyone knowing each other really well everyone when you know someone really well you communicate well like you know when they're down you know when they need a bit more attention you know when something's not right you know when you need to adjust their training. Um, you know if someone's going well, that maybe you should be going well because you know that you could keep up with them in the training. Like I think that's what happened with Jess and Liam. Like when Liam ran well, Jess knew that he could run well. Maybe that's why he went out too hard. But I think it's also why he backed himself eventually to run that fourteen thirty three. Um, yeah, I think it's sort of like it the energy feeds itself and, and everyone, and it, and it, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, good on race day, but it's also good just at training because it's enjoyable to be around. It's fun. 
and then um, if the hard work's fun, then you do it and you get it done. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, if the people that are having bad weeks and they're not confident in the training, it's just having the group there just to chat to them and elevate them and like, bring that confidence back in you. It's like sometimes all they need. Yeah. And I know, like, even before the 3K, I know Bevan was a bit unsure of his training and, and like, not confident going into the race. He was going to put down a slower time, but everyone knew that he would run so much faster. Yeah. And all it took was, I said to him, like, last year you weren't looking at your training, you weren't analysing it, you weren't... Yeah. You didn't care about that. You had the confidence knowing that you've done the work. might not have been pretty on paper, but you go into a race and you know you're ready. And then he turned up at Vic Miles Club, won the race and ran, ran 8.48, which yeah. was... 40 seconds quicker than he was going to put down on paper just because he wasn't 100% confident in it. I think his um, uh, experience like in this track season is one that he should always remember and and a lot of people should know about it. Like his month before um, those two results, were he was fatigued and tired from like just starting full-time work um, at Safeway. And he was also just, he had about two or three sicknesses like he just seemed to keep getting sick um and so he'd come to training and and then uh, we'd have to alter it or he'd have to go a bit slower um but he just didn't look like he was going to run what he did at all he he um he had an amazing winter where he was so consistent and up until like the six weeks before like you would say that his his um winter base was like it's obviously the best he's ever done. So you'd feel like, oh, okay, all he needs to do is sharpen up now and he should break 15. But he just didn't really have a good preparation those last six weeks. But it does show that um, it's not everything those last four or six weeks. You can still make it happen. And for him to have that sort of ability to block that out on the start line and then not focus on that, but then back himself and then believe that he could do it um, and just sort of almost find himself in that 3K, like, in the last K, you saw him just suddenly switch into race mode and believe that he could do it because um, he was feeling good. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a really awesome, um, just another analogy that you put in, in your head, in, in your memory bank, um, because all too often we talk ourselves out of results, I think, um, because, oh, our last week wasn't good or our last two weeks weren't good. Um, but if you have that ability to sort of, nah, if I look at my last 12 months, I haven't missed a beat. <laughs> um, and I think you said that really well, Pete. Um, uh, he, he, um, he was a little bit more relaxed last year. It's easy to be relaxed when you don't have any results on the board. Um, so he was just, he had nothing to lose. And then suddenly you get like a few races under your belt and you're like, oh, last year I did this. And so you can get a bit nervous and you can sort of like start to overthink it. Um, so it was really good. And I think he found your your chat to him really valuable. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was much needed, and that that's the whole group effect. It's just we all we're always prepared. Just to like we see someone, it's like oh, let's have a chat about it. Someone might be down, and we rally him back up with the rest of the group, and like, that's a, that's another positive of the the group effect that we got going on here. Now I just looked at the clock. We've got five minutes to to wrap up. Um, uh, plans for the rest of the season. So you, you ended up running your 5K. You had a, a fantastic race. Um, 
talk us through that that 5k race and then what you've got planned for the rest of the season yeah so it was another another pretty much near perfect race it was after having the race the week before a big miles cop it it uh it definitely went a bit smoother but i was definitely a lot more nervous going into this one because i mean i felt good and i thought the pb was definitely there and i ran aggressive and it all worked out the plan plan that i had going in worked of just sitting top five and just just grinding out the last five laps and again trying to put myself in a position where i could win and i covered all the moves as best i could and hung on for 15 22. yeah yeah so good another pb um and like i think there's 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 more in in the tank for sure so um like the way that you covered that move with three laps to go it was so cool to see like um you move really swiftly and and nicely covered the move and put yourself in a check for, for a shot to to be right up there in the finish didn't quite have it over the last couple of laps but like first track season for a couple of years and um uh so yeah i think i think um we had it sat down and we sort of briefly planned it out but i think like in early feb um there's the box hill burn or box hill classic 5k um i reckon that's where you have your next crack at um trying another 5k because i think there's a little bit more there in the meantime um you're focusing on 1500 training yeah so that's been good i think top end speed is definitely going to make the 5k feel a little bit easier and we might have a bit more in the tank with three laps to go to be able to to make some moves this time so yeah that's always exciting and like i said they haven't done that track season so you're just so short on on the speed work and the speed work helps technique so um it's gonna mean that your technique's gonna feel more smooth at 5k pace um uh, because you've been trying to trying to do some overpace stuff so um i think it's a really cool plan and it's exciting to see how it pans out uh yeah what's the plans for the um uh rest of the season you've got a falls creek trip planned as well yeah so we're doing vic miles club 1500 on the 22nd of december and then i'll probably take a few days off just over christmas and then i guess it's kind of gearing towards training camp mode yep so we're going plan is to go to falls creek for a week something i haven't done i i mean i've spent stints in the past over a couple of weeks but not as high as falls creek we've kind of gone mount beauty slash mount bogon kind of area so falls creek be interesting 1600 plus meters above sea level should uh sort me out pretty quick i think coming from sea level yeah and you're going up with like like jess is going up liam's going up archie's going up yeah it'd be a yeah. big group of between like frankston and mornington who yeah. were kind of going up with it'd be a big kind of probably 30, 20 30 people that we yeah. know going up there which would be exciting yeah it's gonna be fun um and then next next year um you and bevan have been sort of planning an overseas trip yeah so we've talked about it off and on for a <laughs> while and normally when we get dropped on the long run when it's pretty pretty hot up front we uh we just sit back and just talk about next year and going overseas and so yeah i think we're planning the europe trip at some point next year so that'd be exciting yeah i think that'll be so good for your growth um as a person and and just uh yeah to expand your horizons and see different parts of the world um yeah so it'd be an awesome thing to do next year and i'd really like push you to keep organizing that with bevan i reckon it'd be fun 
Um, I don't know, anything else we've missed? Um, we've actually covered a few of the questions that um, Bevan and Jess teed up and, and asked me to ask you anyway. Um, yeah, anything else that you thought might be worth talking about? No, I think we covered a, a lot. We'll see what these, uh, these questions have in store for me. Yeah, um, so pretty much um, Jess asked, outside of running, do you have any hobbies that you use to remain occupied in your spare time? Do you think they contribute to your running in any capacity? I mean, I used to, I used to be a pretty heavy into like video games and stuff, but I think the focus on the last couple of months, I've kind of eased right back on that and runs just kind of in the focus. Sure, sure. And um, uh, do you have anything else outside of, um, outside of running? Uh, I, I wish. Uh, <laughs> not right now, to be honest. It's pretty, pretty much work and running is the focus. And I'd like to have more to spare time to do things, but right yeah. now it's just kind of... Like where would where would I fit it in? I kind of need sleep and to eat, so <laughs> that's good. And that's where that's an area that I reckon um, I'm going to keep pushing you on, trying to expand. Yeah. Um, do you have any professional runners that have inspired you? Uh, I mean, like semi professional, probably. It, it, I'd have to mention John. John would be upset if I didn't. John's your brother. But. I mean, he's always going to be the driving force of everything I do. But I know the uh, his uh, marathon at Melbourne recently was um, so cool to see. Um, he's the same age as me, and to be able to like suddenly run your PB after many years trying, um, and to run two twenty one flat. Uh, two twenty one fifty nine. Oh, fifty nine, so, yeah. So sub two twenty two. Yeah, yeah. Um, so cool, like, and it's really inspiring. Um, because uh, he's, you know, got kids and he, um, he works really hard and as a plasterer and, yeah, just made it happen. And and seeing him get a coach this year I think was really, really uh, good because he, he, he was like, I've got to change something, I've got to do something different and, he, and he's keeping on exploring and, and trying different stuff. So Yeah, and I mean, that throughout the year that kind of, that helped me stay on track as well. Seeing yep. that he was going well and doing different things and yeah. a more relaxed approach than... Yeah, because I mean, his uh, his approach from the past is where I kind of fell into of the like ultra focus. You got to do it this way, kind of just grind it out every single day and get the best out of yourself. What is the best running or general advice that you have ever received? Just relax. Yep. Who gave it to you? Uh, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's been one person that hasn't told me to relax. <laughs> um, you've covered this one. What has been unique to your training recently? Yeah, all the mobility, breathing, kind of extra strength stuff. Yep. Um, highlights since returning. Um, you know, is it a race that you've done or... It, you know, is it being back training with the group? Uh, what's the highlight since returning? I think that's probably the biggest thing. Being amongst the group again is just something that was taken, like, not advantage, but you you definitely miss it once you're not doing it anymore. Yeah. And I guess being on, just being in races with the guys again, because, like, last year I was watching from the sideline. I was like, oh, I'd, I'd love to be out there, like, racing with Bevan and 
alongside Jess and I think it'd be cool. So having been able to experience that this year's been been good. And from a race point of view? Um I mean I've only it's hard. I I val I think I valued every race this year evenly. I think I've appreciated them all, good or bad, for what they were. That's a good perspective. Um a really good perspective shift and um, do you think you would have had that in the past? Definitely not. I think I would have. I definitely would have overanalyzed everything. Where I'm on the the casual side of it at the moment. I don't really second look at training or the races too closely, like result wise. Yeah, but then also like valuing your bad races too, because I think, you know, if you're really like trying to be a master of your craft, like. Um, a lot of people just go, oh, it was a bad race. Let's forget about it. Like, I don't want to think about it. But why was it a bad race? Like, learn from it, and then you're more likely to, you know, maybe there's stuff out of your control. But then that's good to know too. Like, um, uh, so it's, it's, it's good to, like, um, reflect on the good and the bad. Um, and it's the same thing with sometimes if a race goes really well, sometimes people are like, oh, that was a great result, and then they don't really sort of, uh, reflect on it they just sort of put it to bed and, and move on like why was it a good race like it was like, yeah. it was like the 5k it was like it was a PB and it was a good race like other yep. people were just like well we're on the right track but it was like it was a good race but I thought I was missing top end speed yeah might have been too aggressive covering the early moves and used too much energy and you, there's always something to find that yeah you can could have done better next time and yeah so I like the idea of like, yeah, reflecting on it, but not reflecting on it like obsessively. Reflecting on it, just, okay, yep, reflect on it, got what I needed, let's move on, let's use that to get better at mastering my craft. But then also um, I like what you said about, I just appreciate being out racing. You know, I know, I know what the other side is of not racing. Um, so even if it's a bad race, at least I got to race. And what else goes with racing? It's not all about performance. No. Um, so really nice perspective pete and i think we'll wrap it up there i've got a patient so um we better wrap it up there um but yeah thanks love the chat like always um really good insight yeah hope everyone enjoys the episode yeah and merry christmas yeah merry christmas everyone all right bye <laughs> well done <laughs>